Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, uh, Martin Kellner has always joined us for his uh, look at a week of sport on TV. We brought you another episode of Striker. We reached the final chapter today of the Steve Bruce murder mystery. Former F1 driver Johnny Herbert uh, joined us to talk about our TV habits sports-wise in lockdown. And Todd Macklin covered plenty of ground in his American sports roundup. Plus, of course, Andy and I had a bit of a rant about football and cricket, respectively, and here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Do you want to rant first or shall I? I don't really mind it. I'll have a little rant first, and then I'll hand over to you. No, just first, (laughs) the thing to say was the umpires yesterday in the cricket, they had a poor day, actually, with five decisions overturned, as you may have seen. But I thought if Michael Oliver and Graham Scott had been the third umpire, none of them would have been overturned. It would have been fine. (laughs) England England would be winning. We'd be laughing, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, over to you for a quick rant. Uh, just, a, just a, I'd say rant, you know me, I'm not much of a ranter, but uh, I think a new low last night, really, to play the team 19th in the league and not lay a glove on them, literally, not to have a shot on a target in the whole game. Yes, of course, they did get sawn off with a pen that never was, and we'll talk to Mark Housie about that and the other two decisions that Stockley Park admitted they got wrong. Yesterday, and it did shape the game because, of course, you know, Bournemouth would have been a very different team had they gone 1-0 down in the first 10 minutes. But that doesn't paper over the really significant cracks that we saw last night. Uh, a team that, that seemingly sort of lacking in understanding. Players have been playing together for five or six years, just can't find a pass mm. uh, to each other. Mm-hmm. They're making runs at nobody's spots. We've also got constantly giving the ball away cheaply. Even players like Harry Winks, who never do that, Almost set up a Bournemouth goal in the second half with a sort of nothing ball down the channel. It's it's very, very strange. All I can think is Jose says to him, to players like Bergwijn and Son and Mora, you're great players, you're great on the ball. Now go out there and don't express yourself. I mean, that's all I can think. (laughs) Maybe that's the thing that he sends them off with. I mean, we are, you know, we have a tactic. And I mentioned this last week, this bizarre tactic that Alan Smith was talking about last night, that everything goes through Serge Aurier. It's it's like he's Trent, and he isn't. He's he's a one in 25 crosser. That's exactly what I I wrote down. If Spurs had Trent Alexander-Arnold, this system might be okay. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? Everything is set up for Aurier to either over-hit, under-hit. We should rework the Womble song, I think, when we finally get back into the stadium. (laughs) And then on the other side, we've got Ben, one in 50, 
Davis, um, who, who hits the first man every time. Uh, I mean, I've seen him hit the first man when there wasn't a first man. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he does it. It's just an absolute gift. Um, no, a really sorry performance. And, and Tottenham's defenders weren't really worked, but Bournemouth, fair play to them. They stayed in it. They got their confidence, and who wouldn't against that? And really did fancy their chances. But um, we'll come on to the, the big VAR calls and everything else that went on last night because there are consequences I think I am I mean I don't think you know I've, I'm, I have, I've, I've often said I, I, I view the North London derby like I do a trip to the dentist I, I hate it I've had since I was at school I obviously went to school in North London and it was Arsenal mm. and Spurs all the way and going into school on a Monday morning was if you'd lost was horrible and I still get that <coughs> slight pain in the gut but if we played like we did we give the ball up cheaply to a team that that good on the counter attack at the moment we'll get absolutely butchered on Sunday so they oh, really it's hard to make a case up in oh, their yeah. game. They've got to find a way in a very short time. And they are looking a bit leggy in places, but players like Son and Mora and Bergwijn, I don't know what it is. Uh, they've got to step up. They've really got to find a way to step up in the next couple of days because there is a fair bit riding on that. Um, you know, if, if that Arsenal game wasn't in there, there'd probably be a bit less pressure. They could get the flip-flops on, but they've got to get themselves up for that much because uh, it means a lot to both sets of fans. But if I was an oh, Arsenal fan, I'd now be relishing that game. I couldn't believe yeah. Loro. I see Loro did his predictions this week and he's given oh, yeah. 2-0 to Spurs. I think that was probably before last <laughs> night. Before last night. Did he do those before, he he wrote before that. Mourinho yeah. came? Yeah, he wrote that last year. It, it doesn't make a year be. in advance. Yeah. I missed 25 minutes of the second half uh, yeah, to have dinner and watching. Yeah, to watch Neighbours. It was more entertaining. There's no question about <laughs> it. But honestly, the cricket, it's over. They might as well move to Lords now. Seriously, but, go and just go all pack up Go and go to Lords now because it's over. This honestly, England, you couldn't do worse in this match if you tried. They've been out bowled, out batted, out thought, out captained. They lost the game before they even started. I mean, honestly, you look at it. The West Indies have been scoring quicker. I mean, all credit to them. You know, they're playing much, much better than England. But it's a pretty poor effort, really. You know, that, that you'd expect better. But I've noticed with England that this is what they do. They either get hammered, which is what they're going to happen this test, or they sort of win narrowly. That's a, that's another their favourite. So you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't be surprised if they come back in the next test and win the game, but really have played poorly. And then Broad's not happy about being left out. You can't blame him. Well, what no. are they going to do? They'll pick him next time. And, of course, it'll be a wicket that suits Wood and Archer. <laughs> yeah. But they'll have picked Broad, because that's what they do. Well done, everybody. The pitch map, if you look at the pitch map, it's such an indictment of England. It's incredible. The, the, the lengths. You saw what West Indies did. And so you think, you say, well, okay, we'll do the same. No, we won't. We'll bowl much shorter than them, and it may have no effect at all. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Never mind. What are you going to do, cricket. Andy? I'll tell you, oh, yeah, this one caught my eye, though. This is a good one. Because uh, they're talking about how to get fans back into the stadium because we're yeah. desperate. We're all desperate for that. I was thinking last night, I was watching the game, I was thinking, oh, I really miss going to football. I love watching football on telly, but it's not the same. We all know that. And I, you, you get these pangs where you really miss it. But anyway, what they're saying is that toilets could close at half time for fans' return. That's a nightmare for somebody like me. I've never been to a football match ever and not gone to the toilet at half time. Really? So I'm going to do, but they are talking about actually leaving them open during the half, which won't be great. People are going, oh, excuse me, mate, excuse me, I can't see. You know, people will be going out at random times. Might and then at time, whenever yeah. might take us back to the old days of what used to happen at football, <laughs> when you'd be oh, standing no. there and the bloke behind <laughs> you'd say, "You want to stay? Take a step forward, mate." There'd be a long life can that he had in his pocket. <laughs> 
It was a dirty <laughs> I business. I think we've come a long way since then. And there are cameras everywhere, but that's, that's when you were standing. It was much easier. You couldn't just stand up in your seat and do that, could you really? But I won't put it past some of the Herberts uh, that go to football. I mentioned in the titles, it's uh, John Watson's birthday today. We'll wish him a happy birthday yeah. when he comes on. Along with Sunil Gavaska and Neil Tennant. I was thinking, I'd love to hear Mossy sing West End Girls. It'd be tremendous. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? The three of them together uh, <laughs> singing, uh, uh, always on my mind or something. That would be fantastic. would <laughs> be fantastic, yeah. Okay. Good. We'll put that to Mossy. Maybe all three of them um, were together. Wouldn't it be great if Motti came on and said, I've got Sonia and Neil with me here. We all get, we always get together on our birthdays and have a glass of wine. It'd be good, wouldn't it, Motti? Motti's two mates. They're a disparate bunch, but they all get on. They all get on. That's Neil it. suddenly loves talking about cricket back in the day. And uh, he loves a bit of old football. Talk. Neil Tennant talking to Motti about Ronnie Radford. And it'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? I, I can't I, see it. I can't see I can't see him all around Motti's house this afternoon. Did you see Sir Alex Ferguson still took home £2 million last year? Well done to him for yeah. various things. I think, was it from writing forwards in other people's memoirs? I think he does, does that. that for nothing. he does that for nothing. He does, he does that know. just to, as a show of support. He has written a lot of them, though. That's right. There was he one does. time when every time a book came in, it was a forward by Sir Alex Ferguson. Think, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> for goodness sake. <laughs> very nice of him. There Even the Man City story, that was quite a surprise, wasn't it? <laughs> he, did, he did the forward for that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. They're back out after lunch down in Southampton. Let's get an update uh, for the first time in our show today with uh, John Norman. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon to you guys. Wow, what an important session this is. West Indies, 161 for three. We're in the second over after the uh, lunch break. Uh, a deficit of 43. So, uh, I mean, something ridiculous is going to have to happen for England to take a first innings lead. But we're already starting to think about what kind of total they could chase down. Uh, but first things first, Roston Chase and Shamar Brooks at the crease. England are going to take wickets. Now, one thing in their favour is it's just got a little bit cloudier than what we saw in the first session today. Uh, that may well help uh, the uh, the pace bowlers. Uh, but it's uh, Dominic Bess opening up with Jimmy Anderson. I mean, if uh, these two are still here in an hour's time, then uh, they probably would have uh, drawn level. Uh, Shamar Brooks is uh, going uh, at great speed, or at least he was before the lunch break. So uh, don't keep your eyes on this one. Updates throughout the afternoon on TalkSport West Indies, 163 for three. Thanks, John. We'll yeah. have a bit more of a what chat. What he needs to do is rain. Outplayed, yeah. outbowled, outbatted, outscored. Just about every single way you can lose a match England have done in this test. He's got to outweather them now. Pitiful. Anyway. That's the only hope. Yeah, go it, on. It was bound to happen. Someone, uh, in this case, uh, the good uh, people at Codemasters, the games company, have decided to look into watch sp- what sports fans watched when they couldn't get their sporting fix. And unsurprisingly, it was a lot of very good documentaries and some weird and wonderful sport around the world that they wouldn't generally watch. They also watched a bit of virtual sport, as we discovered. Mm. The F1 yeah, was yeah, very popular. Right. And taking part in that, why shouldn't he? Because he used to actually drive Formula One cars for a living, was Johnny Herbert. Good afternoon, Johnny. Good afternoon, guys. Yeah, I mean, well, I suppose, I'll take it you were one of these people that wanting a sporting fix took to... Uh, I mean, the good thing about, about F1 is that there's some very good documentaries uh, out there on, on the uh, subject, aren't there? Yeah, lots of, yes. And, uh, you know, from the Senna film to looking back at the 60s, like with Jackie Stewart's era and how he lost friends every time they more or less went racing every weekend. So... It shows, you know, how safety has improved, which is great. And, you know, these guys nowadays, these youngsters that we have, you know, are benefiting from that. So it's so it's great to sort of look back on a bit of history as well. And I think it's good that people have done that, not just in F1, but, of course, looking back at 
the 66 World Cup, for example, as well. So it's all different uh, history lessons that I think people had, which is great. So it's sports documentaries, Paul, which they really did come into their own. I think virtually everybody I know watched The Last Dance, even if they weren't basketball fans. So it introduced people to new sports, I think. Yeah, I think it did. And I think that's, isn't that good? Because I think, you know, there is so many great sports out there. And, you know, I, I like my football. I like my tennis, golf. Um, and I like my winter sports as well, the cross-country skiing, for example. So, yeah, there are so many diverse sports out there in the summer, in the winter. And there are, you know, we had that chance, unfortunately, in the situation we all found ourselves in in lockdown to sort of look them up and have a look. And I think it's been only for the good. The top five on Codemasters list for documentaries is good news for our occasional studio guest, the filmmaker Asif Kapadia, because he had Senna mm. at number five. But the number one most watched documentary, Andy, uh, in lockdown, yeah. uh, was the Diego Maradona documentary, which I can understand because it is fantastic. Yeah. You've seen that one, John? Brilliant film. I yeah. have seen. I did see that brilliant film. Yeah, so you saw a, saw a, probably a side that you probably knew, but you, to see it <laughs> made it very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting that two out of the top five were motorsport, and number four, Le Mans 66. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, uh, and yeah. The, the virtual sport as well, Johnny, we watched, and uh, I, I yes. tuned in a few times to watch you in action, and it did seem to me, with respect, <laughs> that you were looking to introduce the world of st- stock car racing to Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and, and cheating came to yeah. mind as well, where, where I <laughs> led the first few laps of the first one after cutting uh, the first corner, yes. No, it, <laughs> it was... Uh, very interesting. These youngsters that we have in Formula One nowadays, it's unbelievable what they can achieve on those virtual games. So we're lucky yeah. with the official F1 game that it sort of shows that skill set when we get out there. But it was brilliant as well because we had like Sir Chris Hoy, Ben Stokes turned up as well. We had some footballers as well. Is it Alessia Ragagnoli? Ramagnoli, is it? The AC Milan captain. He joined mm. in as well. Pedro yeah, Aguero right. yeah. was in it as well. Yeah. Wow. It was really good. So, and they didn't do a bad job, I have to say. Probably better than I did. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport. Andy, anything else you've noticed before we bring your story? Yeah. It's a very nice story, but it's a story that's a real Johnny Nash for me. It's a, it's a story about a nurse who's made free sleeping bags for the homeless out of used crisp packets. Uh, really? Sam Dawes, 37, yeah, hand washes hundreds of empties before popping them in the washing machine for a second wash and drying them on the line. She irons them together before using unwanted mattress wrapping for insulation. Each sleeping bag is made up of 150 packets, and she gives them to a local charity, and you think... Well, just make them out of material. What a lot of effort. And how comfortable would a duvet made out of crisp packets be? I, I don't know. You're right. It's a bit of a Johnny Nash. I'm sure the process means that, I mean, you, you, you spend all night rustling, wouldn't you? You've been rustling, as the old joke goes. It would be, it would be a bit weird. Now, yeah. meanwhile, Andy, over in Japan, they have been studying, this is a proper study, uh, the projectile mm. trajectory of penguin feces. Oh, uh, oh yeah, someone's. Someone, shouldn't they be at work? I mean, all the things they could be. I'll, I'll be looking for. I'll be looking for some kind of antidote at the moment. But anyway, that's what they decided so. to study in Japan: uh, the projectile trajectory of not even easy to say of penguin feces. Um, little did we know that we wouldn't know this fact that they can actually um, fire. Uh, their feces can the penguin. Sorry if you're having your lunch a bit late today. <laughs> yeah. One point three four meters. What about that? 
<laughs> well, it's, a, it's an astonishing amount. That really. is quite impressive. They say they've even done the human equivalent of that, which is slightly worrying. <laughs> no, that's not good. That would be three metres on a human. I mean, that's really? a horrible thought, isn't it? <laughs> Some of the lads' holidays you go on over the years, that, that's a quite... T- but anyway, well done to everybody in Japan who, for that study and just some of the things uh, we're, we're learning. Talking of things that are a bit difficult to... Uh, what's the word? I can't think. A bit unpalatable, really. Well, My wife yeah. said to me last night, she said to me, do you want to watch The Man with Ten Stone Testicles? This was a programme that was on TV last I night. I know, yes. I, I, didn't, yeah. I couldn't bring myself I to watch that. I felt a bit I voyeuristic. Know. I said to her, I don't want to watch the man or his ten stone testicles. To be really honest. Well, I mean, you, you, she, they come as a package. Didn't they? I would, I'm guessing. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. anyway, we move on, oh, and uh, oh, we've got. It's been a wicket, I think. Oh, has it? Oh, okay. Oh, good. That's it. that's good. We're we'll not break to through. Say that, but there you go. Uh, John uh, brings us to John Norman brings us the details now. Yeah, 173 for four, and Jimmy Anderson has struck. Uh, it's uh, Shamar Brooks who's looked really good when coming onto the front foot, but he's been pushed back and defended a delivery from Anderson that's taken the fi- faintest of edges. You know, we we're all always brought up to believe that a batsman always knows when he's hit the ball, but that just isn't true because uh, Shamar Brooks. Uh, reviewed the decision, uh, given out court behind who reviewed it, and indeed there was a, a thin nick as the ball went past the bat. So uh, a breakthrough for England. West Indies trailing by 31, but they've lost their fourth wicket now, 173 for four. Thanks, John. Uh, let's bring you striker then Steve Bruce's murder mystery, uh, episode 73. And finally, after all the tactical chat ahead of the Fulton game, the promotion six-pointer, it's match day for Steve Barnes' Leddersford Town. And uh, let's get these final preparations then for the game. Chapter 13, finally, the last chapter. Friday arrived. It was a day off for the first team. There was no point in last minute training. They needed to rest their muscles after the exertions of the previous day. I'd asked them to sleep in and then arrive at the stadium two hours before kickoff at seven. I followed my own advice and also slept in, right through to midday in my case. When I finally surfaced, Susan told me the telephone had been ringing on and off all morning. For now, once again, I was feeling pretty good. The adrenaline was flowing already. It always does before a match, whether I'm playing or being, as most managers are, an agitated spectator. The game was being televised. The stadium's well set up for this. I gathered they were not using all the TV gantries that evening, and the airship, which takes those spectacular aerial shots, was not being used either. On my arrival, Julie informed me of the people wanting to talk to me. First of all, I spoke to the TV people from Sky. Oh, not that Jim White again. I tried to say all the right things. I talked about the composition of the team and how much rested on the broad shoulders of my young skipper, Martin Thornton. I made no secret of the fact that I was playing Van Niekerk and Danny Drever up front. Although untested for a complete game within the first division, both, I said, worked well of each other in training and in practice matches and today was as good a time as any to blood them. That possibly was not the best term to use in the circumstances. Blood had been a part of my life ever since the killing on the previous Monday. The topic would have been broached in any case. There was no way a reporter worth his salt would fail to seek a comment on the killing. Now this has been a tough week for everyone, I said in measured tones. My family, Pat Duffy's family, all people of the club, you loyal supporters. And yourself, Steve, the reporter said. 
And old Dancer, he and Dancer are bringing the book to life as he has done throughout, and so this is the final chapter. And there may be a bit of, a, we may have a bit of a surprise for you uh, just before the end, but we'll see. The previous Monday, and it's still only Friday. It's been going on for months. Yeah, I can't believe well, what a just build said. up to this game. Anyway, and what we airship? We have, yeah, an airship they have the blimps. They have the blimps, don't oh, they? Go over when? the ground. <laughs> Of course they do, Andy. You remember them? It wasn't that long long ago. ago. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. That music signals the arrival of uh, TalkSport's king of overnights, as he now is, of course. Uh, Started (laughs) last weekend. It is our old mate, squad number nine, Martin Mm. Kellner. Martin, how did did the first... How did the first talk sport evening go? Your simulcast last week. Yes, I mean, I might be biased, but I thought it was a triumph. Oh, that good. Was the, word, the word I'd use would <laughs> Five be Five stars, triumph. the Scotsman. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it went. It's quite, uh, quite long, uh, actually. So, uh, obviously, by five o'clock in the morning, I was getting a little bit uh, sleepy. But, you know, every, we didn't have any complaints. Well, we did have one or two complaints, but you always expect that. Uh, but nothing much. I always call them whingers. You know, you get whingers yeah, that's on exactly, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the way to but no, so, it, was, it was good fun. It was good. Oh, fun. good, excellent. Well, you're back um, tonight. Where well, is it? One I till six. Am. Yes, one till six. Ridiculous. And then, um, and then on Sunday as well. Sunday as well. Yeah. yeah. And should well. should I be spared? Uh, I will be back on uh, on Sunday. The, now, what I wanted to say about Jack Whitehall, mm. um, you know, because I mentioned it on, on Twitter, I'd, I'd mentioned Jack Whitehall. His show, which is called uh, Jack Whitehall's Sporting Nation, is yeah. on tonight at 8.30. It is, And yeah. uh, my reaction is, thank goodness for that. It means we won't have to watch the trail anymore. The, this tra- <laughs> he's been doing this trail, which has got a couple of jokes in it. And I like Jack Whitehall, nothing against Jack Whitehall. But mm. when I started in this marvellous business uh, in the 1930s, a very wise man, it was my boss at <laughs> the time i did i made a try i was doing a late night show which i fondly imagined to be mildly humorous so i did a tra- i did a trail for the show yeah and i put a couple of jokes in the trail and he said to me we'll have to play it very sparingly because it's got a couple of jokes in it and uh, if people have heard the jokes two or three times it'll have a, a sort of a counter effect because people mm. hear that joke and think oh I'm fed up of with that joke again and again and again so he said I'll just play it very sparingly and I thought that was very wise you know he said if it had been a straight trail he'd have played it you know he'd have scheduled it much more often because it mm. was a humorous trail it, and this Jack Whitehall thing he makes two jokes in it one joke is um tennis football and some of the niche sports that the BBC no longer have rights to very amusing yeah. And uh, then he makes a joke about the fact that Sir Andy Murray has been uh, ennobled, Dame uh, Kelly Holmes, and Top Gear's Andrew Flintoff. Yeah. The joke being, obviously, that you know he's not one of our ennobled sports people. Mildly amusing the first two or three times you see it. But the BBC have been playing it constantly for months, yeah. you know, for what seems like months and months. Anyway, we don't have to watch it again, is the good news. Yes, um, good. Yes. The other thing that uh, I, I wanted to say is that I'm very much admiring um, Jose Mourinho's work at the moment. Are you? No, yes, not <laughs> from, from a football the point of view. I can't <laughs> say I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I liked his interview after the uh, Bournemouth match where he was asked what he made of it. 
and he said powerful people doesn't like to be criticised. And then he repeated that a couple of times, powerful people doesn't like to be criticised. But I liked that there was a sort of cacophony of seagulls in the background. I don't know whether you you heard them. (laughs) Yes, I did. So you think it was was Cantonar-esque, was it, you think? It was very Cantonar-esque. And I think with the the seagulls and everything else, somebody, you know, who's quite skillful on the internet could probably make something out of that. You know, a little um, meme or whatever they call them these days. Yeah, Um, we'll leave that with them. <laughs> yes, I like the way he sort of ends with another. You know, he's sort of whinging most most of the time. Obviously, uh, same people whinging about the fact that uh, Bournemouth weren't playing straight because they changed their style. Yeah, they, you know, instead of playing the expansive game that Bournemouth normally play, they um, they retreated into their shell, which he s- sort of thought was tweet was cheating. See, I, I expected I the team nineteenth in the league fine for their lives to come out and play like <laughs> Barcelona. So it obviously <laughs> caught me out. Caught me out as well. <laughs> The fact they've got quite quick men up front uh, and a couple of relatively uh, not particularly pacey centre-halves. That was a real shock that they kind of got it into the the front men early, wasn't it, really? (laughs) And also the fact that 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 Arsenal have a a slightly longer period between games than uh, Spurs have, obviously 48 hours later. uh, Yeah, that is true, though. That That does make a slight difference. It definitely does. Uh, Martin, yeah, something you will be watching, of course, is the, the Amazon Prime documentary. They put out a trailer today, Amazon Prime, for All or Nothing. And as many people have already said, I think you'll find the answer is nothing. Um, yes. And this is Tottenham's <laughs> season. And what a, what a season it's been with looking Pochettino it, yeah. going. And Jose, I, you say you're looking he says he's, it. He says he's not going to watch it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's claimed he, he won't. Well, I bet he probably will. But it's, uh, it, it, might, it might well be a bit of a car crash. Although mm. I imagine it will be quite... Sanitised, won't it? I think the old the, the club yeah. will get hold oh, of it. Okay, obviously, it's the approval, put a positive spin on yeah. it. I'm sure. So we'll. we'll see. But I did watch the Sky Sports uh, take the ball past the ball. Your recommendation, uh, Andy, mm. um, uh, very enjoyable. Mm. Uh, it was obviously the making of uh, the greatest team in the world. Was the uh, was the sort of subtitle of it? 2008 to 2012, 14 trophies. Interviews with Jordi Cruyff, Capello, uh, Andres uh, Iniesta, yeah. uh, Javier Hernandez, who I, I was uh, interested. Had a, an impressive collection of wine glasses. Oh. I've never seen anybody with so many wine glasses. As <laughs> probably goes the garage a lot you think it was one of those where you get <laughs> probably every time you buy a couple of gallons of petri you get a wine glass oh, no, he's probably got one of the, quite a few of those tire pressure things as well and uh, and sort of cushions and stuff like that and barbecue uh, yeah, coals. That's it. yeah yes yeah, yeah. Barbecue coals. um but yeah it's a great show as you said andy i thought it was fascinating yeah, uh, it's to an see insight the into guardiola oh. isn't it about how he yeah. works and what he does and, the, yeah. and what impressed me about it was the fact that Whatever, even if they gave a goal away, he couldn't care less. He didn't want them to go long. They had to play out from the back. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, he had the players to do it, so it made a difference. But uh, Yes, it's not Bournemouth, is it, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> <But> <laughs> definitely not. And yet you could see I, the, you know, the way the players really respect him. I mean, Danny Alves uh, said, if you told me to jump off the third tier of the Camp Nou, I'd do it because if Pep tells you to do something... Even if it seems totally illogical, there must be a reason. There's whatever he tells you to do. There's going to be a reason for it. Um, yeah. And more fine work from Mourinho from the days when he was a manager of uh, Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, some great mind games at the uh, press conferences that you know he really did try and get under Guardiola's uh, skin. Uh, skin at that time because Guardiola always seemed to have won over on uh, on Real Madrid when uh, Mourinho was ma- manager there. It's a great title, isn't it, for a film as well? Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it was very, very. And I, it struck me that had they not called it um, All or Nothing, 
Uh, Amazon could have called the Tottenham documentary <laughs> Get the Ball, <laughs> Lose the Ball, couldn't they? That would have worked. <laughs> yeah. uh, just a word about ITV. I, oh, uh, just mm. while I'm here, I don't want to leave mm. them out. They've got these uh, European Cup winners um, documentaries they're doing at the moment. I watched one about uh, Liverpool, um, yeah. which I thought was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it largely for the nostalgia um, reason. Uh, there, were, there was sort of commentary of some of the matches by a young Barry Davis. And he was great. I mean, obviously not as good as the birthday boy, Motti, but um, <laughs> Barry Davis was just so good. And I'd love to, I'd love for some of the BT Sport commentators, I know you don't like to um, talk about the commentaries, but the commentary from the uh, the West Ham match last weekend was just abysmal. In that it's not nothing wrong with what they said. It was Ian Dark and Karen Carney. No objection to anything they said. There was just too much of it. They really, you know, they just it was just a babble from beginning to end. And you know, it's very rare I have, I have a go at commentators. I know what a very very difficult job it is. But um, just got to let somebody in. No, excuse me. <laughs> oh, Andy's, Andy's just leaving to let somebody in. I, I don't know. Who's, I don't know. Who's Letting in, yes, yeah. it's great. Yes, yeah, great. And he's probably got a parcel. I'm listening to you, Martin. Don't worry about yeah, that. Sorry. You crack on. It'll be Ian Dark and Karen Carney turning up to complain. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, just just quite quite simply, if you listen listen to Barry Davis or Brian Moore or um, Kenneth Wollstone, if you want to go right back, um, mm. they just let the game have to keep you know they don't have to be talking in radio you have to talk a lot because you know if there's silence in radio people wonder what's happened but you know if there's something going on in the back you don't need to talk the whole time but just Martin little, I, I um, do believe there is a documentary tonight about Nottingham Forest I think it's tonight uh, about Forest in Europe and, and with that in mind a, a clip turned up today you can never see too many clips of it in fact watch the whole thing if you want to go and uh, get, get entertained Brian Clough and Don Revy with Austin oh. Mitchell on that cow Oh, that's it's, great. And watching that back. Their firm dislike of each other as they're trying to be, kind of, Brian's trying to be charming to an extent, or Don's not even bothering. And it's, <laughs> it's a fantastic bit of telling. And it was when Cluffy says, I wanted to win, I wanted to do what you did, but I wanted to do it better. I mean, it was pretty yeah. savvy. But it's a brilliant bit of telling. You'd never get two managers who didn't like each other to do that now, would you, to sit in a studio yeah. and, no. and go to No, watch the whole thing. Uh, of course, uh, Cluffy didn't know that he was going to be uh, no. ambushed by the presence of Don Revie. No. Um, but it's brilliant. I would advise anybody, oh, anybody, yeah. to uh, go onto YouTube because the whole thing's there. And what is amazing, if you watch the film, The Damned United, uh, the scene with Michael Sheen and Stephen Graham, I think, who plays uh, Don Revie, that oh, no, scene... He played, he played is, Billy Bremner, didn't he? Don, oh, he played Billy Bremner, sorry. I, I can't remember who played Revie in the movies. Another Colin, well-known... Colin Meany uh, played him, didn't he, I think? Yeah, Colin Meany, yeah. absolutely. Brilliant yeah. from the uh, Alan Partridge movie. Yeah. Uh, he played uh, he played Tom Revie. And how accurately they got the whole thing. Uh, yeah. They made Austin Mitchell mm. a bit better looking than he was. Um, and I can say that because <laughs> I used to work with Austin Mitchell uh, at Pennine Radio in Bradford back in 1926. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but Have they, you seen uh, Martin... Have you the seen muffin man? Hit, no, hit it hard. <laughs> hit it hard. The John Daly thirty for thirty. Yes, I that's have. Very, and it's that it's is good, genius. isn't it? Absolutely, very genius. good. What a character! Um, Amazing. But I tell you, work, the, the really. scene just before we go, the scene that I really enjoyed in the uh, Liverpool thing was mm. the retirement of Shankly. And yeah. was, you know, you you can't overestimate what a blow that was. I mean, not even to sure. people. They, they had some vox pops that they did at the time, obviously. 
uh, in the summer of 1974 when he retired. And the look of shock on just ordinary people walking the street in Liverpool mm. that you know nobody could believe he'd retired. I mean, he retired at an age when Roy Hodgson had only just started, really. And um, I was just embarking on my third decade in the uh, radio business. But unbelievable <laughs> that he retired so young. And, uh, obviously, yeah. the, the main focus is Paisley. Absolutely brilliant for European Cup. So that's well worth watching. It's on yeah. the ITV Hub so you can find it. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Yes, time to talk American sport with uh, Todd Mackling. Good afternoon, Todd. Hey, boys. And the big story this week, of course, and it's got quite a lot of coverage over here, is uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, signing this mm. deal worth over $500 million. But I was reading some stuff this week. They are saying it's the richest contract in sports history. But a lot of people who understand how contracts work in sport and experts in this field saying probably not. I mean, look, he won't be doing bar work in the evenings. He'll be okay. <laughs> uh, but, um, but it's not maybe, uh, you know, he'll make a lot of money, but maybe it won't be the richest ever. Yeah, I think we'd be surprised if he ended up collecting $500 million in actual cash. So the guaranteed money, which in the NFL, that's what it's about, right? Because guarantee, uh, contracts are not guaranteed in the NFL. Uh, so the guaranteed money is about $141 million. So as you said, yeah, he's going to be set for life. So he's good in that sense. But he can, you know, went to, he can get to bonuses and, and such um, that he can get close to that 500 but he's probably not going to get there he's probably going to renegotiate it at a couple times at a couple different points over the contract but bottom line is for for people like us and our listeners he's going to be making a lot of money uh and, and you know, listen the money sounds big and it is but also it's a really good contract for the chiefs because you get a guy in his prime he's coming off a super bowl uh and so both i think hey it's one of those that both are really happy uh, with the contract and listen as long as he stays healthy that the Chiefs think they got a chance to win 
a lot of Super Bowls going forward with him as their quarterback. He's got to call his first son Sherlock, surely. I mean, it, it'll be very tempting, won't it? Really? Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, Todd, what about pre-season for the NFL? Because it's always a big thing for them with games and people trying to get places on the roster. And Have they announced plans for pre-season yet? Uh, the, not, not anything confirmed, Andy. So, we, you know, usually they have four preseason games. So initially I've heard that they're going to go down to two. I've heard some reports that they won't play any at all. So uh, still up in the air. Listen, I, I think everything in the NFL is still up in the air. It's funny as we've talked through the months, because the NFL season doesn't start till September, they really haven't been commenting on this, right? This is more about baseball and, and ice hockey and basketball because their seasons were happening as the pandemic was going on. And football kind of stood back and said, we're going to be fine. We're going to start in September. We're going to be in the each of the individual cities. And, you know, now there's been a lot of talk that they may have to go to some sort of hub setup, uh, hub cities that, to play their game. So, listen, nothing from them and nothing from any sort of medical experts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think preseason we should not expect four, maybe two, and, and maybe even none at all. Uh, which for a lot of players would be pretty scary not playing any preseason and then starting the regular season. Now, just going back to uh, Patrick Mahomes, a number of the top sports writers were claiming to have got there first to announce it, but apparently <laughs> it was somebody called Katie Camlin who works in a liquor store near the Chiefs' offices. <laughs> yeah. um, it's amazing this. A couple, one of the Chiefs' staff came in and bought six bottles of Dom Perignon, and she tweeted, they've said there's a big signing today, and it's not Chris Jones, so I guess it's Mahomes. So it's great. She was first. We live in that world now, don't we? <laughs> that everyone can be a reporter, right? And you're right. So she was first. She put it on social media. And then, listen, I give her credit. She took it down because she didn't want to get the chief's employee who she talked to at the liquor store in trouble and then kind of went back and talked to him and, and you know, everything was okay in that. But it is funny. You're right. Everyone with, a, with some sort of mobile device can be a reporter because they can be the first one to get it out there because social media now, right, is the way that we break stories. The guys in the NBA Disney bubble, as they look to come back, uh, have been tweeting pictures from their hotel. And uh, one of the guys, Troy Daniels, uh, said his dinner arrived. He's got a picture of it. It looks like an airline meal that we just plonked on a tray outside his front door. And uh, their rooms look very nice. They look a bit, you know, look a bit Hampton Inn. But there they are. They're in Disneyland. But it's going to be a weird time for them, isn't it, in, in this kind of world for the next couple of weeks or next couple of months almost. You're certainly right. So a couple of things. Number one, uh, NBA players in their collective bargaining agreement, you're in five-star hotels. Like, that's in the agreement. You travel to the different cities, five-star. And I don't think they're in five-star, but they're at Disney, whatever. So that's mm. number one. Number two, so the food. Yeah, we've heard a lot about, uh, you know, the food. It looks like airline food. That's just as you get in, right? It's kind of in that, that quarantine. You're kind of quarantined for, you know, the first couple days or so as they test you to make sure that you don't test positive once you're kind of through that process you're able to enjoy the meals i don't know if you've been to disney but they've got some great restaurants there so mm. I, it that it initially you get the airline food and then after you get the food from all the different restaurants so just for those players just hold tight the food is going to get better I wonder if Mickey and Donald and Goofy are walking around the tables for some of the rookies. Be great, wouldn't it? For picture photo ops think with masks on. I'd like to think you get they get in the full yeah, Disney experience. A little LeBron having a little spin in the teacups when no one's looking. That would be fantastic. Listen, I, I think they're going to be a part of it. You know, a big part of this for Disney is 
yeah. right? It is to promote themselves, right? For when things kind of return to some sort of pseudo normal and people go back to Disney World, this has been a great opportunity for them. Obviously, they, they're making a lot of money from the NBA, but also to promote, you know, once things kind of get back to normal. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We return on Monday from one o'clock. Hope you all have a great weekend and enjoy all the sport. And we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.